Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, August the 21st, 2023. It is currently 10.05 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Sometimes you hear something and you're like, you've got to be kidding me. That, that cannot be true. You are shocked by it. You are surprised by it. And that happened to me earlier today. I, I was listening to podcast and this podcast was on. I wasn't really paying a lot of attention. It was kind of just on in the background. I was doing other things. And then all of a sudden they kind of gave a statistic and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No. That that cannot be happening. There's just no way. This can't be true. It cannot be true. I was shocked. I was confused. I was bothered. And I'm like, at some point, I'm going to sit down behind the microphone and I'm going to share this news with everyone else. And I'm going to ask them a very important question. But before I can get to this kind of shocking Maybe I shouldn't be shocked. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I was shocked and surprised by it. Maybe you will be as well. But before I can get to that, you may be asking, so where have you been? And why have you been doing any broadcast? And what's going on? And you know what's happening? I mean, the last time you did a broadcast was on Thursday, then Sunday, you, you did Sunday school and then you immediately deleted it and your sermon really wasn't very good. And then you didn't post your sermon on the Sermons 2.0 app or the Church One app. And, oh, there was no Sunday night broadcast of any kind. And it, it all day, where have you been? Well, because talk about surprising or shocking. Thursday evening. I'm sitting in my, I guess we'll call it my media room where my stereo equipment is and my television. I'm sitting there in the dark watching a very dramatic, thrilling movie. And all of a sudden, the door opens quickly. And it's my wife. And she's saying, get me to the hospital right now. I am dying. And I immediately jumped up, got her in the car, drove to the hospital. I, I, I This is no exaggeration. I don't know. I ran at least... I think I ran two red lights. I, ra- I ran two red lights. No, maybe two stop signs, two red lights. I probably at one point was traveling close to 100 miles per hour. I had my four-way flashers on trying to get anyone out of my way. While I'm driving, my wife is basically saying, hey, you know, I, 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 I think I'm going to die. Make sure you tell, you know, the grandkids this. Make sure you know this and this. And just telling me all of these, you know, very emotional things. I'm, I'm driving like crazy. I pull up in the emergency room like, I mean, I, I just come flying right up to the doors. Someone who was there at the hospital for some other reason come running around going, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, my my wife is dying. And all of a sudden security comes. They take her back. It's total, complete pandemonium and chaos for I don't know how long. It's just absolute chaos. And um, there's so many people in the room and they're doing this and they're doing this and they're doing that. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to contact my daughters. It's just it, 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 my my one daughter who works for uh, Amer- American Airlines. I can't get in touch with her. It's just, it's just total, complete and utter 
chaos for I don't know how long. I I, I don't want to use any because time stopped really having any meaning there for a little bit of time. Like like how it felt versus what it was probably was two different things. And we were there all the way till. Uh, see, I I think I finally left the hospital at four thirty four thirty six in the morning, and it's just been a long, crazy couple of days. Now, obviously, the good news is my wife did not pass away. That's good news. Um, there's, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, unanswered questions. Uh, there are medical appointments tomorrow, hopefully to, to make everything better. The life-threatening issue that we that we thought it was at the time, it turned out not to be that. So that is a good thing that so that there was good news there, but obviously it just in an instant, everything just boom, everything just changed like that. Like, you know, life just flashes before your eyes. You're just sitting there watching a movie and the next minute you're driving at 100 miles per hour to get someone to a hospital who thinks they're going to die. And therefore, for a short period of time, you're like, oh, no, this could be it. This could be it. This could be it. And again, the good thing is everything the, the, what we thought was a life-threatening issue, it turned out not to be that. So now things have improved. That's good. There's still some questions that have to be answered and still, you know, so there, there's no there's no immediate danger. So that's good. And uh, so we feel much better about the situation. But it's been a it's been a long couple of days, uh, very little sleep. It's been crazy. It's been um, emotional. And that, and of course, Sunday was just, was not the best teaching. The first hour, it just felt horrible. The second hour, I, I just, it, uh, I, I'm going to post it. I'm going to post it. Just whenever you hear it, if you do hear it, just now, if you've already listened to it on another platform, hopefully you understand the context there of everything that had gone on. No, no real sleep, no real, no real prep, no, no really anything. But you know what? Everything is uh, is looking a little bit better. Everything's are lo- looking a little bit up, up, and that's good. And we'll hopefully all the the tests and everything else, everything comes back, and they got some good solutions, and we can find you know uh, hopefully uh, some solutions to avoid that from ever happening again. I'm not, obviously not giving all the details of someone's medical information. I don't I don't want to give it in, into all the details and everything about that. But everything is much better. And I feel I, I definitely need probably I probably need about 72 hours of sleep. I probably need to be put into a medical induced coma so that I uh, I can uh, catch up on my sleep. I know you can't technically catch up on your sleep, but I, I definitely need uh, some some time. So hopefully tonight will be that night. We will see how everything progresses. But in the midst of all of that. There were a lot of things I couldn't do, but one thing I could do at different times was obviously just listen to a lot of podcasts. So I'm listening to podcasts, and I'm not saying it was by no means is it the same thing, right? One is, you know, possible life and death, but it was shocking. It was sudden, and it was kind of, you know, obviously it was surprising, but it was, I mean, life-threatening. This one it was sudden because it, it's not what I was expecting in the podcast I was listening to. It was surprising. It was shocking. And it may not be life threatening, but it to me is somewhat spiritual threatening that we could ever reach this particular place. 
And I don't know how to interpret it. I don't know how to interpret it moving forward. One, obviously, his life th- was, you know, possibly life threatening and obviously, you know, serious in that way. This one is serious in a different way. This one is more spirit. Uh, this is more serious in a spiritual way. And it's life threatening, not in a physical way, but in a spiritual way, really to the church really to the future of Christianity. At least I feel that way. Now, I know my feelings could be wrong. So what I'm going to do is just present this to you, and then you can interpret it. Some of you will interpret it going, well, the stat's probably not right. The statistics are probably not true. And you'll probably just reject it on that basis. And and that's perfectly okay. What I always say is I don't always trust statistics, I understand that, you know, how these statistics are come, how many people are questioned and how was the question asked. I understand there's always a lot to it, but I always see it as smoke. I always see it as smoke, right? And wherever there is smoke, I'm not saying that that means there's immediately a fire, but it's obviously sometimes a good indication of something that we need to pay close attention to. So um, I- I'm going to say that maybe there's a little bit of smoke here. And we should pay attention to, but I'm going to present it this way. And I want you to just, now I know this is going to sound like a ridiculous question. You're going to be like, this is the most absurd thing anyone's ever asked, but I'm going to ask you this question. Who do you trust more? Donald Trump, the former president of the United States of America, Donald Trump, or do you trust your pastor? Do you trust well-known theologians, well-known Bible scholars. Who do you trust more, Donald Trump or your pastor, religious leaders, theological leaders, Bible scholars? Who do you trust most? Now, I'm going to ask that question because today, again, listening to podcast, one of the podcasts that came on, was uh, from CNN. And they were just dealing with a little bit of the, the indictments with Donald Trump and all the legalities. And, and you know, you could look at it from this way, this way, how the court proceedings will work. And then all of a sudden in the middle of that, it felt like, like, whoa, wait, they talk about this recent study. I think it was published in the Wall Street Journal. I think, I think they'll tell you the source. And I'm like, wait, what? And it was somewhat shocking. I'm like, it, that cannot be true. I'm, you can interpret it for yourself. Here it is. This is going to go by really, really fast. It's going to be like there and maybe not even a minute long. It's going to be there and gone. What I need you to do is when when the audio comes on here, I mean, they're, they're in the middle of a conversation and they're just going to pivot. It's like a hard right turn, right? It's like, boom. So just... This, there's no way to ease into this. It's just because I didn't want to back it all the way up and, you know, review, you know, hour of, of, of uh, audio. But I just want you to hear the, the entire segment will they, where they pivot from what they were talking about. And they're talking about all the indictments of Donald Trump and all the legality and, and how he's not going to uh, go to the debates. And, and, you know, he was supposed to present, you know, the evidence you know, today was the big day. Donald Trump was going to present this massive amount of evidence that proves that the election was actually stolen and would prove his innocence. And of course, then he didn't do that. And of course, he's yet to provide any. OK, but, but that's a whole different subject. All of a sudden, they're like, hey, when it comes to who certain people trust, <laughs> these numbers are crazy. 
Just listen to this. Here we go. You ready? So they're, they're, we're going to be cutting in right into the middle of their conversation, but it's right before they pivot to this segment. So you're going to hear the entire segment. We're not cutting the segment. Anything that pr- comes before or after has nothing. To, this is just a little segment dropped into the middle of the entire program. This is uh, CNN on politics. This is the podcast. I, I got the episode today on one of my podcast apps. Here we go through him eventually. And it's already, it has been open season on Ron DeSantis since before Ron DeSantis even formally declared. You talked about some of the um, legal problems that the former president has. There was a Wall Street Journal editorial this morning, excuse me, yesterday, which said Republican voters often say they like that Mr. Trump is a fighter. But for whom is he fighting, them or himself? He would carry into the general election more baggage than the British royals. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but it has been remarkable to see the way that conservative voters have rallied around him. You know, you go to some of those Faith and Freedom Coalition events, you speak to voters there, and they say that they are, some of them, Trump supporters, well, they feel defensive and even more inclined to support him in the wake of these many indictments. Um, So it it seems as though it it almost has had the opposite effect of, I think, what some some others would have hoped. I would say... He's been successful at convincing the Republican primary electorate that it's not about him, right. that it is about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he makes that point all the time that he's standing in the way. But he this this weaponization, as he calls it, of the Justice Department or these local prosecutors, he, he has daily in his messaging to voters said this is about them and their way of life and protecting them from this kind of intrusion. And all the evidence suggests they're buying it. Yeah, it definitely does. Just real quick, the... Uh DeSantis campaign. They, as the former president of his campaign, they're hoping, and it looks like it will be, uh, a question of DeSantis being kind of in the middle since he's polling the most when it comes to the people who are going to be on the stage. Their campaign put out a memo, and uh, his there's some Axios report, reporting talking about how because he's far back, uh, there you see it, behind Trump in the GOP polls, Republican mega donors who want a Trump alternative, tell Axios they'll be watching to see whether DeSantis or anyone else has a hope of contending. That's why the Florida governor's top advisors expect the theme of the night to be dogpile on Ron. Well, he's overpromised and underperformed to this point, and that is making donors really nervous. Now, how he responds to other candidates attacking him, this isn't someone who really is used to being attacked and having to respond in real time. I think it's going to be very interesting how he does that and what answers he has for some of the criticisms that these candidates have. Now, and because we are in bizarre world pretty much every day in this campaign, we are in a countdown to President Trump's next surrender. He and 18 co-defendants are expected to turn themselves in to a Georgia jail. But when and how? We're live in Atlanta with the latest. Hey, Prime members, are you tired of ads in Okay, that's part of the segment. That's part of the segment. We're going to have to go further back. We're going to have to go further back. I didn't want to go further back. That that's they they start talking about the Wall Street Journal and uh, all the baggage that he has, but it doesn't seem to stop his supporters. So we're going to go a little further back. We'll find the exact statistic that I want, but uh I thought it was right there, but we'll go a little bit further back and we'll find this. So just bear with me. Here we go. For example, in the latest CBS News poll, uh, the question is whether or not candidates should make the case for themselves or against Trump. Ninety one percent say that they want to hear about uh, their own positions and not Trump. I don't remember a poll 
ever getting to 91 <laughs> percent. Maybe even yeah. like puppies and ice cream. But well, and you hear that from voters out on the campaign trail. I was in Iowa last week that there is very little appetite for these candidates to sort of get in the mud. And even voters who say that they are willing to move on from Trump don't necessarily have animosity towards him. So that's why we don't see these most of the candidates really trying to take uh, Trump head on. I was also at the the gathering last week in Georgia, Eric Erickson's cattle call event. And, you know, with Trump not being there, he wasn't invited. It it taking up a lot of the oxygen. You know, you speak to conservative voters afterwards. They were like, wow, I didn't know that about Governor DeSantis Hmm. or I wanted to learn more about Vivek Ramaswamy and I had the opportunity to do so. So that's to a smaller degree, I think, what this debate can provide next week for these candidates. Well, and it's just but one thing we have to remember they're not going to have a lot of time to make their case. There's eight of them, and mm-hmm. time just goes like that. And they're going to be asked about the former president and how they respond to that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of them that turn it into what their records are, but it, how that is delivered really matters because otherwise it's going to end up sounding like Muzak and it's <laughs> going to go into the ether. So the, really the challenge for the lower polling candidates is to have that standout moment that is authentic and doesn't seem like it's rehearsed. It's hard. It's a really hard, uh, hard needle to thread. How many young people out there, hopefully, who are watching are Googling Muzak right now? You're all welcome. <laughs> You're all welcome. I want to go back to what you were saying, uh, or one of the points you made earlier, David, and that is about Trump and the rest of the field and the whole notion of them consolidating. CNN did a poll of polls, which is looking at sort of the summary of of the polls. An average of the polls. Thank you. Um, I'm glad I have the political director here. (laughs) And and look at that. Okay, this is national polls. So that means it's a national snapshot of the mood. It's not how these uh, candidates are elected, uh, the nominee. But, I mean, 57 percent and then it just falls off a cliff. To Ron DeSantis at 17%. So even if there is consolidation there, that is what the Trump team and Trump himself, they're arguing is. Okay, that's not the that's not the statistic yet. Just wait for it. Wait for it. I know I'm making you wait for it, but that's okay. I want you to hear all of this, right? Every they they know that Trump has all of this baggage. They know he's been indicted. They know all of this. But in spite of all of this, in spite of all of the indictments, in spite of all of this. The, the, the support for Trump is overwhelming. And as we've already heard, the people feel like somehow an attack upon him is attack upon them, that he's fighting for them. So it doesn't matter how many times he's indicted. Doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter how much baggage he has when it comes to Republicans, which many of them profess to be Christians. Many of them, they will say, hey, no, 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 we got to go for Trump. He's fighting for us. We have to support him. An attack upon him is an attack upon me. Attack upon him is an attack upon all of us. And so the support is overwhelming. But let's let's see if we can get to the the statistic that I want you to wait for. But just put all of this together. All right. All right. We're going to add more to this than I originally intended. But that's okay. Let's keep listening. Like, it's not a contest. Well, right. I mean, there, it's not, right? Because yeah. they, mm-hmm. if you have 57%, every one person can consolidate the rest and it's not enough to overtake 57%. The issue is in some of the early states and what have you, where he's at 40, is there a place? This is tough. I, I mean, th- nobody has had a lead like that and not been the nominee mm-hmm. uh, in national polling at this date. So I'm not suggesting by any means that uh, there's a real uh, uh, golden opportunity just waiting for someone to take it. But 
These people are running for president, and this is their shot Mm -hmm. to be able to try and convince, starting with the piece of the party that already says, I'm not that interested in Trump, I'm ready to turn the page, and then build out from there as Trump's legal woes continue. That's really the only path I see here. This is Donald Trump's race to lose. But they have to realize that while Trump won't be there then, the minute he sees one of them start to rise, it's open season. So even if you have the candidates that are avoiding Mm -hmm. Trump, they're going to have to go through him eventually. And it's already, it has been open season on Ron DeSantis since before Ron DeSantis even formally declared. You talked about some of the um, legal problems that the former president has. There was a Wall Street Journal editorial this morning, excuse me, yesterday. The, the devil is in the details, and the court is going to look at exactly what he's been alleged in, uh, what he is alleged to have engaged in, and whether or not those acts were part of his authority under federal law. And I think there's a very compelling argument to say it was not. I want to get your thoughts first on numbers that were really striking in the latest CBS News poll. And the question was about Trump voters. Who do they trust more than anyone else? Uh, Trump, 71 percent. Their own friends and family, 63 percent. Conservative media, 56 percent. Religious leaders, 42 percent. There you have it. That is absolutely crazy. Let's back that up one more time. I want you to hear that one more time. I am sorry that it took a minute to find it. I apologize. I apologize. It's CBS. I thought it was from Wall Street Journal. It's from CBS. I thought it was from the Wall Street Journal. So I queued up where they were getting ready to talk about the Wall Street Journal thinking I had it. But let's back it up because it's worth hearing a couple of times. All right. Here I'm going to go back way far. Here we go. And the latest CBS News poll. And the question was about Trump voters. Who do they trust more than anyone else? Uh, Trump, 71 percent. Their own friends and family, 63 percent. Conservative media, 56 percent. Religious leaders, 42 percent. Trump supporters trust Trump, 71 percent. Versus 40-something percent religious leaders. Now, many of those Trump supporters talk about Jesus and God and Christianity and how Trump was sent by God and we're going to defend biblical morality. And yet they trust Trump more than religious leaders. Now, when we get to the point where professing Christians put Trump before their own pastors, their own religious leaders, then, ladies and gentlemen, that is shocking. That is surprising. And I should be bothered. But put all of that audio together. I know it wasn't put together perfectly, but put it all together perfectly. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a problem. That is a serious problem. Because no matter how many times he's indicted, no matter how much baggage he has, they continue to support him. He's ahead in the polls. He's so far ahead in the polls that no one's ever been that far ahead and not gotten the nomination. He's going to be nominated. Republicans and Trump supporters are going to support him no matter what. In fact, they trust him more than religious leaders, meaning he can stand up there and lie and say whatever he wants. And Trump speaks the truth. Now, I don't care if non-Christians do that. It's those who profess Christianity who have gotten on this Trump bandwagon and will not get off no matter what, no matter what evidence you present. Nope, the evidence is fraudulent. The evidence is wrong. The evidence is not true. No matter how many times he's caught lying, not telling the truth, it does not matter. When Christianity 
places a political leader above their own religious leaders, when they put a political leader above their own religious text and their own religious teachings, then religion is finished and done in any practical sense. Because it becomes about a man. It becomes about a political party. It does not become about, well, what it claims to be. And I've been claiming and yelling and screaming about this forever. Now, many are going to say, well, those people aren't Christians. Well, you can say that, but they profess to be Christians. Many of them may go to your church or my church who Trump, 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 Trump. You see them on social media. This Trump worship, this Trump idolatry, the, the church failed the Trump test. I see Trump as being a test for the evangelical church. Do you want political victory? Do you want political policy? Do you want that more than you want Christ, Christianity, the gospel? And the church said, we want political power. We want culture war. We want to win culture wars. We want, we want political power. And we take a politician over Jesus. We take a politician over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Trump supporters tr- trust Trump more, more than their own family for crying out loud. How is that even humanly possible? Like who, what right person would say, I trust a politician more than my own family. I trust a politician more than religious leaders. A politician who's been, who's now been indicted, what, 70 something times? I mean, all, all found liable for sexual assault, like all the things that's, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what they have on them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, I don't understand it. I'm going to back that up one more time because I just want you to continue to hear it. Here we go. One more time. First on numbers that were really striking in the latest CBS news poll. And the question was about Trump voters. Who do they trust more than anyone else? Uh, Trump, 71 percent. Their own friends and family, 63 percent. Conservative media, 56 percent. Religious leaders, 42 percent. Once again, Donald (laughs) Trump has thrown the country uh, upside down on top of its head. I think maybe you could flip that graph and go back 10 years and keep the same, you know, the same numbers. It's... It is remarkable. He is probably the most effective public messenger we've ever seen in terms of delivering his own message to his audience. uh, They believe everything he says, despite the fact that he's been proven to have Mm -hmm. misled them hundreds of indeed thousands of times. And, you know, it's look, this is the playing out in real life that I could shoot anyone on Fifth Avenue and still get away with it. That you're talking about homicide there. And I think maybe that might have been a clearer example. I think part of what perhaps the president's supporters are struggling with is the, the kinds of questions that what you just asked Evan a moment ago. It's a little bit abstract to people, this question of where the line between candidate Trump mm-hmm. ended candidate aide uh, Mark Meadows ended and uh, the people who worked for the government did. It's, it's a little blurry and confusing to many people. Well, intentionally so. Yes. Which is yes. one of the reasons why former President Trump is candidate Trump right. again. Thank you guys very much. They don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> they, they don't have, but it, it is frightening how one person, now just think about this. My, my, when I was little, when I was little, uh, we used to go, for some reason, my parents, late at night to the Westgate Mall in Abilene, Texas, located 
on South First. The mall is no longer there. It got torn down. It was one of the, it was very early, early. It was before like the malls really started. It was one of the first like indoor shopping malls uh, when it was first opened. I don't remember the exact quote in the newspaper at the time. I've seen the article, but it was one of the the earliest ones um, at maybe in Texas. I don't know where, but it, it it was a big deal. And so uh, that was the mall that I knew before we really, I don't even think we called it a mall. We just called it Westgate. I don't think we even called it a mall at the time. I don't even know if the term was really, be, maybe uh, shopping mall. I don't remember exactly the terminology, but um, it had a Montgomery Wards on one end. I don't remember the store. Um, was it Montgomery Wards when you first walked in? I don't remember where it was. And then I can't remember all, there was a, uh, there was a movie theater. It wasn't you had to come outside of the mall to get to the movie theater, but it was right next to it. Um, and then there was a, a bookstore. There was like an arcade before really arcades became like a, a big deal. And it was, and I don't remember everything was in it, but one, we would always go there at night. Like they basically just left the mall open, I guess, like all night. They, nothing was locked. All the stores are closed, but you could just kind of walk around. It, like all the lights were off, but the doors were never locked. It was really weird. I, I don't, I mean, I was very young, so I don't remember everything. But in the middle of the the quote unquote mall Westgate, they had this big display um, dealing with Hitler, World War II. I don't know exactly everything that was there, um, but I remember like I was I was very little and I still didn't quite understand World War II and I didn't really know who Hitler was. But whenever you take me to anything that was historical, even at a young age, I would read every single word of every single thing. And maybe it was just because the mall was dark and, and we we're sitting there and, and I see these pictures of Hitler and they talk about how many Jews were, you know, killed in the concentration camps and they show all of this crowd, you know, uh, as he's speaking and it's like, I just sat there and I got, I, I, I mean, I literally physically became terrified. Like I could not understand how one person could convince all of these people follow him no matter what he says. I'm like that. I don't understand it. Like, how is that possible? Nobody can stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's consider like, I I wasn't processing this perfectly. I was a kid. I was just terrified at the evil that I saw. Now I'm not comparing Trump to Hitler. What I'm comparing is Trump can say anything. He literally can say anything anything and his supporters will believe him. They will follow him. They will say he is right. Even if, even if the, the, the truth, the reality around you says different Trump supporters are like Trump, 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 Trump. It's all, it's not, it's not exactly high Hitler, but it's, you know, Trump, 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 whatever he says. And it's, it's, I don't understand how, like, again, those who are not saved, I I guess, and I can understand that, right? You have no theological, you, I I think, to me, I've always seen Christianity and theology as providing you a reality to keep your feet planted, right? It gives you a reality and how to see the world because God is the creator and, and God is a God of truth. So we pursue truth. We pursue God. You, we would pursue reason and logic. And you, you think that as Christians, we, we would put away lying and speak the truth. And God hates lying and God hates bearing false witness. Like all of these things, it gives us a, a reality in which to operate from. But with Trump, I, it, it, I, he can say 
literally anything. It doesn't matter how absurd, doesn't matter how over the top, doesn't matter if it's crass, doesn't matter if it's unloving, doesn't matter if it's ungodly. It doesn't just, they go along with it. They go along with it. They go along with it. And it's bizarre to me to see it happen inside the church. To see such a, a segment of Christianity. I remember who put him in the White House. It was white evangelicals who put him in the White House. It was the church who put Trump in the White House. It's the, it's the church that continues to support him no matter what he says. And so there's got to be some people in that poll who are like, oh, I, I trust Trump more than religious leaders. Now, again, I'm not saying that this is 100% Factual. I understand these polls are not always perfect, but there's smoke there. There is smoke there. And because there's smoke, we've got to be concerned about that. We've got to be more committed to ridding the church of this political influence more. We've got to stand against it more and more and more, because if we don't, I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know what the church looks like, and it's not going to get any better. We're in 2023, ladies and gentlemen. 2024 is going to be an absolute nightmare when it comes to politics and Christianity. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. It, I, it, I cannot even imagine what it's going to look like, and I don't know how these trials are going to go for Trump. I don't know. Indictment after indictment after indictment. But there are those, even within the church, are like, I don't believe any of the indictments. It's all a fraud. It's all a lie. Trump is innocent. And it doesn't matter what evidence is presented. It He could be indicted for a million things. It doesn't matter. He was found liable for sexual assault and Christians don't care. The whole paying off a porn star, it doesn't matter. Christians just don't care what he does. I, I don't know what has happened here. Something has broke. Something has broken. Something has snapped within a large segment of the evangelical world. I think we think our enemy now is so-called. This is where I think we think the enemy is now. Woke ideology. Democrats, liberal ideology, LGBTQ. I think that's where we think the enemy is now. And we've lost the plot. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against these earthly ideologies. We need to stay focused on living out our Christian life and presenting the gospel. The actual gospel, one of grace, grace alone, faith alone, because of Christ alone. I, I don't know what you want to do with that statistic. And I do apologize for, for not having it queued up properly at the beginning. I'm sorry, but the rest of it proved to be somewhat beneficial as well. Because whether it's the, whether, what, what are the other politicians going to do in the debate? No matter how much baggage, Trump is winning in the polls. And it doesn't matter. Every indictment, and, and Trump is bragging about it. One more indictment and I have the nomination. I don't even need to go to the debates. I'm not going to go to the debates. I'm not going to do anything because I've got it. Everyone knows who I am. I'm winning in the polls. Nobody can touch me. 
and 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 you watch it's going to be evangelical church who's going to give him the nomination it's going to be the evangelical christian voting base who's going to try to put him in the white house and i believe even if he goes to prison it will be white evangelicals who will still vote for him and the world is like what is wrong with you people and i and i all i can say is i'm i'm not that I don't trust Trump. I, I, I trust I trust the Church of Satan more than I trust Trump. I trust I trust atheists more than I trust Trump. Something is wrong here. Now I'm hoping that's just some weird anomaly. It doesn't really reflect reality. But I know this. It was white evangelicals who put him in the White House. That's a fact. I know he's constantly trying to shore up that white evangelical voting base because why? He knows he needs them. Some of these rallies that go that go on with a lot of religious leaders, it, it, they're still supporting Trump. Something's wrong. Something is just off here. And I don't quite understand what it is. I don't understand what it is. You think Christians would be like, okay, maybe maybe we made some mistakes here, right? Maybe we made some mistakes, all right? M- maybe we should go back to thinking other things are more important than winning election. Maybe when you have a candidate who's attacking and almost making threats to judges and potential, you know, witnesses and and to p- potential jurors and 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 saying these outlandish, over the top things that are that are ho- horrible and not right. And uh, you think Christians would be like, I don't know if I can be behind this. But for Trump supporters to say they Trump they trust him more than religious leaders. Now, if they're not, if the people aren't religious and they're not Christians, then I expect that. I expect that. That's perfectly okay. But what did I, I grew up, I grew up and what I used to hear was you never trust a politician. How do you know a politician is lying? Whenever they speak, you know where liars go? They go to Washington. Like that's, that's the world I grew up in. Don't trust politicians are liars. You never trust them. They will say whatever they need to say to get a vote. You never trust them. They have no true convictions or policy. Don't trust the politics is a game of deceit and lying where they say what you want to hear. So you'll give them power. So they get power and then they get power. They get position and they get money and you barely get anything. But something has changed somewhere. I must have missed the memo. But I wanted to at least let you hear that for yourself. You can draw your own conclusions. My conclusions are something is wrong. I don't know how bad the problem is. I don't know yet. But I know when I hear a statistic like that, we have to stop and take notice. It's shocking. It's surprising. And it should get our attention. I'm not saying we should panic. I'm not saying we should exaggerate it. I'm I'm saying we should stop and go, 70-something percent for Trump. You support him 70-something percent more so than, and then uh, religious leaders only get like 40%. And your own family gets like 60-something percent. Trump, so that means you, tr- you trust Trump more than your family, conservative media, and religious leaders. I don't know.
that's starting to sound like idolatry to me. We always say the thing that's going to bring down, the thing that's going to destroy us is woke ideology, LGBTQ. It's always something. It was MTV, rap music, video game, always TikTok. What, there's always something that's going to bring us down. Wouldn't it be kind of almost ironic that what brings us down is when is it when we look back in history, it's when the American church turned its back on God and turned to the idol of politicians and politics. And it was the idolatry of God's people that brought the judgment. Because if I think about it, all the things that brought judgment upon Israel wasn't what the ungodly was doing because God's people turned to idolatry over and over and over and over again. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. You may hear this again in some capacity. I don't know. It was good to be back in front of the microphone. It was sloppy. It was messy. It wasn't put together perfectly. So I may delete this, but at least it was fun spending 42 minutes here in front of the microphone. We'll see how things go tomorrow. I don't know if I'll get to do much tomorrow, but we will see. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.